clear my notes for In Cold Blood. Awesome! That's happened to somebody else today. Yep. (laughs) I had like five pages. Not anymore. Yeah. It says 230. That's all it says. Was it in... Do you have an Apple? No. Okay. I had an uh, update today and deleted my notes. Oh, really? Yeah. Lovely. All of them. So I had to retype them all. So you do this? I gotta make sure. I know, right? (laughs) None of that happens. Old school. Okay, the way way back still on there. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> great. The movie we're not doing. Right. <laughs> That's okay. At least that one's safe. I just, right. I just watched it, so I'll be. It'll be fresh. All right. Somebody's gonna have to. Hold on, I gotta improvise. So is this based on a true story? Yeah, it yeah, is. This happened. It happened. He wrote the book, and like two years later, they put the movie out. Yeah. Yeah. Two years after the uh, they were hung. Jeez, the movie mm-hmm. came out. Yep. Talk about the town. I mean, guy was in the same house. So you got to have it right. right yeah, you got to talk. Yeah, like right into it, or else it won't right. pick up your mouth. Blech. All right. Welcome to the Movies with Chill podcast. I am your host, Chill, and today we'll be talking about In Cold Blood from 1967. In Cold Blood is a dramatized docu crime thriller written, produced, and directed by Richard Brooks. Based on the novel In Cold Blood by Truman Capote and influenced by the real-life murders outside of Holcomb, Kansas. Starring Robert Blake, Scott Wilson, John Forsythe, and Paul Stewart. When two ex-cons murder a family in a small town of Kansas during an attempted robbery, local and state authorities commission a nationwide manhunt. Tonight, as always, I am joined by David and Lee. How are you boys doing? Hello. How Hello. are you? Killing you Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, goodness. Oh, oh yeah. Boy, <laughs> boy. <laughs> Been a minute. Been a minute. And I'd also like to introduce our guest, the Hall of Fame Little League soccer coach with the winningest record in Brown County, Kansas region. Former lead guitarist for the Reverend CMB, co-founder of Eye Care Ministry, TV show personality for Dateline 2020 and Unsolved Mysteries. And in his spare time is a county attorney, Kevin Hill. Welcome to the show, Dad. Just in your spare time. <laughs> you know, when he gets around to it. Well, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Of course. Loved having you. All right. Have you guys watched anything new since the month and a half that we've been off So many things. So many I've things. I've watched. So many. I mean, I think I'm just trying to think now. I knew you were going to ask this question. Yeah. And I don't even... You go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I started and finished Severance, which we will cover. We were not talking about it now. We will cover it in the five. Can I just get a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Yeah, okay. Two there thumbs up. Okay, okay but awesome. I'm going to hijack the next episode. Just okay, that's fine. Just prepare for it. All right. Uh, I've watched a couple of new movies. Nothing really great. Uh, yeah. One called The Passenger. Ugh. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. It's uh, mm. all right. It's rough. And then on the other one, uh, dang it, it was called Nefarious. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. About a demon possessed a guy that's going to be executed. I uh, I Not started good. Rebel Moon. Oh yeah, started it. Oh, yeah, it's that good. <laughs> oh my god, it's, it's a nightmare of a movie. I had such high oh. hopes. Yeah, me too. It's a nightmare. So, is it? Yeah. It's yeah, it's not good, <laughs> and it bummed me out so because like yeah, disappointing. Yeah. I know it looks so. It's good. right up my alley too. Right? Yeah, rated R Star Wars fails. Yeah, it's All not. Right. Yeah. Weird. It Dad, definitely watch- made my top five. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> you watch anything new recently? Yeah, we enjoyed uh, Beef. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Beef. Beef. Oh won, yeah, Netflix. Yeah, won some awards. Stephen uh, Yeun. 
Yeah, yeah. All that right. Was, that was good, and I'm trying to think what else we... Uh, Enjoying the new uh, season of True Detective with Jodie Foster. Yes. Yeah. I love Jodie Foster. That is so weird. Oh, man. But it's good. It's gripping. Oh. Like, it, it really reminds me a lot of the first season. Yeah. Really. yeah. It really does. It's, 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 I don't think anything thing. will... Oh, yeah. The yeah, first season yeah. was <laughs> that's amazing. My the first season, first yeah, season I think that's the best. This one's so right up there. It's wow. so far really, really holding our attention. All yeah. right. I started watching the show called Patriot, which is on... Amazon. Is it animated? It is not animated. <laughs> That's a first, right? Right. <laughs> but we have been watching. We're about 150 episodes down on One Piece. Only only 850 more to go. We're a tenth of the way through. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do not have that stamina anymore, no, I think. I don't have that attention span. Right. It's it's fun just to kind of sit and watch with Logan, something that I hadn't seen before. and you know. But Patriot, I highly recommend it. It uh, came out 2015. And it's kind of a dark comedy um, where a spy is trying to infiltrate this company so that he can get access to Iran. And they're the only company that has access, like a visa working access. But it's like everything goes wrong and it's like it's it's comedy. But oh, it is. okay. yeah. So it's dark comedy. But I think it's hilarious. Cool. Dad. You were the one that picked this movie. Why In Cold Blood? In Cold Blood's been, I think, one of my all-time favorites. It's probably in my top five of all-time favorite movies. Uh, we read the book in high school. Mm-hmm. Love the book. Love the movie. I love the soundtrack, Quincy Jones' soundtrack. This mm-hmm. is incredible. Solid. I think it fits every scene just yeah. perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, I just love everything about it. Awesome. Cool. So I remember watching this as a kid with that. I mean, not as a kid, but, you know, pro, age appropriate. You're about eight years old. About eight, no, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was about my first time watching it. And I think we watched it again when we were heading down towards Garden City. We were going to go by Holcomb, Kansas. So is this your guys' first time watching the movie? It is. I thought I had seen it uh, when you told me. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. But it was in broad daylight was what I was thinking. Right, uh, right. But I was very pleasantly surprised by this movie good yeah yeah Yeah, i watched it uh this past sunday before the chiefs game Um, get your get you all primed and ready for the game (laughs) i I mean i like the movie yeah um i struggled a little bit because i'm laying in my bed and i kind of oh just kind of nodded a couple times but i did follow it all i I dug it all right all right so time for our icebreaker then Today it's who, if anyone, is the protagonist of the movie. He went softball. I don't believe there is one. A protagonist. No, there's there's no character development in this movie, really. Okay. Um, I mean, I think that Perry has the most character development. At least, not development, but background. Re- revelations. Yeah. Like, why he is the way he is. Right. Right? Right. So, I would think that Perry's the first one you see, and Perry's the last one you see in the movie. So I would think Perry. Okay. That's any, just my theory. You have any theories? Yeah, I think if there is one, I, I would say Perry. I think in the book especially, you know, there are a lot of rumors about Capote and uh, Perry and whether they had more than just a friendship. The warden of the uh, prison in Lansing uh, had speculated that there may have been a physical relationship between Capote mm-hmm. and Perry Smith. So 
think the book shows that. I mean, he creates as much as you can create a, a sympathetic character with a, a mass murderer. I think mm-hmm. he uh, he tries to pull that off. Yeah. He definitely he, he seemed romanticized. Yeah, I mean, in the yeah. Movie. did Perry and Dick have something going on? No, 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 no. no. But I, I think in the movie, even they address it in the book. They kind of cover that from the the Menninger Foundation on the just the uh, the whole psychiatry behind it. That mm-hmm. uh, alone, they they don't think they would have committed the, uh, the they murders. Didn't, they but didn't together, the it was like the perfect storm. It of was the, the third person they called yeah. it, right? Yeah, the third yeah. person. Wow, All for right. sure, for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about the movie before we get into some spoilers. So, In Cold Blood has a runtime of 135 minutes. It was released December 15th, 1967. It had a budget of $3.5 million and grossing $13 million. That's a win. Yeah. Now, I couldn't find... It's kind of hard for some of these older movies finding box office for that particular month. Right. But I do have overall for the year. Um, and it scored 18th overall. And just to list a couple that came out in the time. Number one, The Graduate. Mm. Two, The Jungle Book. Three, Gone with the Wind. Disney's always in there, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> Four, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Seven, Valley of the Dolls. Twelve, Camelot. Seventeen, Cool Hand Luke. Eighteen, In Cold Blood. Twenty-two, Doctor Doolittle. And twenty-six, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Wow. wow. So It's a good year. Yeah. Yeah. Good year for cinema. Mm. All right. So just a couple facts. Dad brought up legendary music producer and jazz player Quincy Jones did the music for the film. Columbia wanted Elmer Bernstein to comprise the score, but Richard Brooks insisted on hiring Quincy Jones instead. Jones composed his score alongside filming. So that's kind of I mean, why I it, think that was a goes, good fight. Yeah. Uh, good he's, choice. He's legendary yeah. jazz player. I mean, he's in he's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah, isn't he? He's everywhere. So. Yeah, he's yeah. everywhere. But and the uh, father to Rashida Jones. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right. So in order to get authenticity, Richard Brooks filmed it in the actual locations, including the Clutter, clutter House where the murders took place, and the actual courtroom. Uh, six of the actual jurors were used. Even Nancy Clutter's horse, Babe, was used in quite a few scenes. The actual Kansas State Penitentiary facilities and gallows were not used in the film, though. And Scott Wilson clarified in 2017 media interview that the prison scenes were filmed in Colorado and the hanging scenes was in Columbia. I did not know that. I didn't yeah. know they were that, that was the actual house. And yeah, and there's actual pictures. Like, if you look around throughout the house, there's actual pictures of the family. So it's I wish I would have known crazy. that stuff before I watched it. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, the, the murder scene uh, was filmed just with flashlights for the most part. Very, I, yeah. I just thought it was incredibly. It was very uh, immersive. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. It is scary. <laughs> it gave you a real kind of ugh, and morbid it's feeling. Crazy yeah. how, I mean, we'll get there, but how calm everything was. Mm-hmm. Well, in the house, you know, reading the book, and when I first saw the movie, we thought the house was way out in the country. Mm-hmm. Calvin and I stopped by on the way to a, a scout trip years mm-hmm. ago. We were on the way to Los Alamos. And so we stopped and drove out there, and it's just right on the outskirts of Holcomb. I mean, yeah. there's residential areas within eyesight of, of where the house was. Yeah. So Jeez. amazing that uh, no one heard anything. Yeah. Money was saved by shooting the film in black and white, although Richard Brooks' reason using it was that he felt that in color it would be too romanticized, and he wanted to give it a black and white, right or wrong kind of feel. Yeah, to the movie. it has that so. gritty 
gritty feel to it. For sure. Yeah. So, intending to give his film a documentary-like feel, Richard Brooks also deliberately chose not to hire movie star actors. This is where it very much countered to what Columbia wanted. They actually wanted Paul Newman and Steve McQueen as the killers. And Brooks later commended that he loves Paul, but that's the problem is everybody loves Paul. He's not that scary. Paul Newman went on to do Cool Hand Luke, which is same year. Nearly 500 actors were seen for the parts of the killers before Scott Wilson and Robert Blake were both cast. And finally, Lee Marvin wanted his role of Alvin Dewey, but the director, Brooks, gave it to John Forsythe instead. Brooks worked with Marvin on the extremely successful The Professionals, but Marvin had proved to be too much of a handful, so they went with John Forsythe instead. I'll say that John Forsythe was just... I believe they just carved that dude out of granite. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just made of stone. Right. Yeah. Just like, no, we're not doing it. No, not Loved him. Yeah. So, all right. So, with that being said, do you guys recommend this movie before we get into spoilers? I would I would recommend it if you're a true crime buff. Okay. Um, and especially if you're from, you know, this area of the country. Right. Uh, yeah, you'll see a lot of names and cities. Yeah. and it's interesting. It's a good every, subject you'll matter. You'll just recognize. It's, right. it's well made. Stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I didn't have any problems with it other than just hair slow. Yeah. I think if you're a fan of filmmaking, it's a lot of stylistic scenes in the movie and, and just the, with the soundtrack and how they jived everything together. Yeah, I'd, I'd recommend it, uh, especially, like you said, if you're a true crime buff, if you're from the Midwest. Uh, there are a lot of old scenes of Kansas City, Kansas and Kansas City, Missouri that mm-hmm. I think people enjoy seeing as well. All right. I think the big difference with this movie compared to movies made today is it was done tastefully. Right. Yeah. You know, like they didn't it didn't have to be gory, mm-hmm. you know. You knew it was blood without seeing the red. Right. You know, um, it, if it was made today, it would be so gruesome. Oh, they would yeah. they would go full gore. Right. To where it was factor. enough to make you imagine what was happening, what they were thinking. Right. You know, so I think that they did a great job with all of that. And I do recommend the movie, again, for all those reasons. But mm. I think it's just a good movie to see. I, I think so, too. I, yeah. I'd recommend it. Same as you guys. Just... Just about everybody over the age of 18 that lives around this area. And it, it's kind of part of this area's history. And it's yeah pretty pretty influential to even people. Everything, better. Johnson County and Olathe and, you know, like all those. <laughs> right, right. The bridges and like you just, you recognize things. Right, yeah, right. It's, it's pretty cool. All right. All right. Well, with that being said, let's get into some spoilers. All right. Let's pause for a minute. All right. Pause for a break. All right. Perfect. All right. There we go. I'm ready now. I was just saying. So people could pause. (sighs) And we're back. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed the movie. Right. Let me put my wig back on. Let's get into some trivia. Who gave Richard Hitchcock the tip about the safe in the walls at the Clutter House. I can't think of the guy's name. It was uh, a Selly. Yeah. Floyd Wells. Floyd. 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 I, 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 did you hear me? I was going... Frank. Something. Right. Floyd Wells. Yeah, he actually collected a reward from Hutchinson News paper off of a reward. Really? And that was his incentive for coming forward. Wow. Snitch. Sounds like a setup to me. Yeah. No kidding. What town did Rich and Perry pick up supplies before heading to the town? I believe that was Emporia. That's correct. 
All right. Jeez. Goodness, <laughs> leading the way. You guys are a little rusty after that month right. and a half break. Right. <laughs> what town did the Flutter family live outside of? Holcomb. Holcomb. Holcomb, Kansas. And how much did H. Clutter's life insurance pay out? $40,000. 80. Accidental. Oh, it's double. Double indemnity. Double indemnity. There you go. <laughs> Good job, Lee. How long did it take the jury to reach a verdict? 40 minutes. That's correct. She <laughs> didn't mess around back in the 60s, no, brother. No, they didn't. Oh, nope. what? No, you're guilty. Why, why are we even going back here? <laughs> I'd say that's my only problem with this entire movie. What? The guy's glasses. The prosecutor's glasses. Oh, it yeah. drove me crazy. The I'm like, why did you even put them on? Right. They don't fit your face. Right. That's the only thing that bothered me in the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, right. that was one of the liberties they took. The actual prosecutor was a young guy. His uh, last name was West. Uh, Truman Capote, they, when his letters were released after he died, there was some real critical letters. When West was going out to New York City for a visit, he asked if he could meet with Capote. And Capote could show him around, and Capote just sent a real harsh letter back to him. So, Kick rocks. Um, I mean, it, you talk about slam dunk case. I mean, the case was yeah, open very easy to, to prosecute, but the uh, prosecutor in real life was actually a really young guy, and they made him into a almost like a Clarence Darrow type uh, <laughs> hero. figure in, the, in yeah. the movie. All right, bonus question. How much time spanned between the real life murder of the Clutter family and the release of the movie? Two years. Yeah, I think it was oh, in 57, maybe 10 years. Eight. Or nine? Nine years and one month. Okay. So let's get into our long-form discussion led by David. Take it away, David. Well, I want to start this off by saying all of my notes disappeared (laughs) the moment I sat down. (laughs) So my five pages is gone, but we are going to do this. Starts off in a bus. Mm -hmm. Guy playing the guitar. Little girl walks up. You can't see his face. It's like the perfect, like film noir you know like yeah like if if i didn't know the dates of this and sorry to sidetrack you i would have swore that this was a 40s film noir not gumshoe you know detective of all the broads in the world jada walking to my office (laughs) but yeah it's it's great still yeah i like it little little girl on the bus is attracted i think to his boots right because they have Mm -hmm. a kitty cat on them yeah um and then well, foreshadowing. Our, our, yeah, our character lights a match and you see his face and it is Perry Smith played by Robert Blake. He gets off the bus. He's carrying the ridiculous box of... Junk. Junk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, junk. His guitar. It looks like a suitcase. He's looking for someone. You don't know who he's quite looking for. No. But he's looking frantically for someone. Right. Looking to use a phone. What he's looking like is Squiggy from Laverne He really does. <laughs> yeah. He really does. He's got the hair. Got the hair and the jacket. <laughs> so he is uh, walking around the bus station. You get a little foreshadowing as well with the, uh, the nuns. Walking he, by. He walks up to the nuns and they offer the phone to him. And he's like, ugh. And he, <laughs> he goes away. Right. He eventually makes the one phone call and he calls his, he calls the, the prison he was yeah. at, right? Mm-hmm. And he asks where Dick had been. Yeah. And he was waiting for him. And that's when the guy was like, listen, don't go to Kansas. You can't <laughs> go to Kansas. It. We'll go back to Kansas. Don't go back to Kansas. Breaking you your parole. And this is when we get our scene of what Dick is doing. Uh, Dick played by uh, Scott Wilson, who I couldn't help but think of The Walking Dead the entire time. Right. I couldn't help it. <laughs> he G. really G. looks exactly the same. G.I. Jane. Yeah. That's where I pull it That's from. That's where you yeah. pull it from. I'm yeah. Walking Dead. Yeah. I think Herschel, right? Herschel and Walking Herschel, Dead. Herschel, yeah. yeah. I, th- 
kind of funny thing. I was talking to Dad earlier, and he was saying about how it's funny his generation always sees Herschel as the guy from In Cold, In Cold Blood, Blood. Yeah. and everybody after that is... Oh, that's Herschel from The Walking Dead. Right. I, I right. remember, yeah, seeing Walking Dead and Colin Cow. I was like, oh my God, the guy from In Cold Blood is playing Herschel. Yeah. Yeah. Her, yeah. yeah. And, yeah so. and, and your generation is, oh my God, that's a guy that. <laughs> so. G.I. Jane. That's right. <laughs> Commanding officer. Yep. So we see Dick. Uh, he's at his dad's house and he's in the shed and looks like he's getting the gun out and his dad's not doing well and he's, you know, packing the car up and getting his dad back in the house and. Mm-hmm. You can see he makes some stops, and he's not in any rush to get to the, to the bus station no, no. whatsoever <laughs> after he told uh, Perry to meet him here at this specific time. Mm-hmm. Um, Perry's kind of panicking. Right. Uh, he finally meets up with him, and he says he's got the job. Yep. It's the What's the exact term? I can't remember what it's he said. the says. perfect score. The yeah. perfect score. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that drove me, all the honeys and the babies. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's why I question their relationship. Like, yeah. He's like, I got the per- perfect job, honey. And I even Googled it. Was that like common terminology in, in the, the 50s, 50s? to I'm, call another male was honey and baby? I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so. And it didn't. It said no. Really? It yeah. said that it's it's mostly between married couples. My, you know, my dad was born in 46. So in 1967, you know, he had, he'd already graduated high school. He was about the same age as, as Dick and Perry. Mm-hmm. And if I ever ever heard my dad say call another man honey Honey or or baby baby, i would have to stop and say are you okay but also your dad are you are you having a stroke i need to know are you smelling almonds i mean what's going on here yeah right so while while we're seeing all these uh these images of Mm -hmm. of perry and dick we're also getting little snippets of the cutter family clutter i would say want to say cutter but it's clutter family right and their normal day-to-day life. I mean, they are a perfect 50s family. That's what oh, the movie yeah. makes them out to be. Yeah. You know, son always carries around his radio to listen to the news and sports. Mm-hmm. And but he's smoking downstairs. Well, he's sm- he's yeah, he smoking was. downstairs. I love his dad saying, I thought I smelled smoke down yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you get the daughter. I wish I don't have their names. I'm so oh, sorry. Nancy. 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 Yep. And she's like the perfect little girl. You know, mm-hmm. she has all these plans and she told her mom to go do stuff. So her dad says, well, I'll go do those for you. And she goes horseback riding and yeah. friends come over and then her boyfriend comes over later. And so you're getting just that perfect family. Right. Supposed to be wealthy family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Extremely that spread. Wealthy. I looked at the house and I'm like, God, just looks like a house in St. Joe now. Yeah. Right. You know, like <laughs> that's but, what kind of got me like later in the movie. They pull up. He's oh, look at this spread. You know, they're loaded. I'm like, right. really? That's a, a three bedroom farmhouse, dude. Right. That's. That's not, they're not loaded. They're loaded. <laughs> I mean, they probably had money. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. In the bank. In the bank. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, so uh, we get them in the car, and he's like, I have this perfect, perfect deal. Mm-hmm. And that is wealthy family, lives kind of out of town, safe in the wall. Right. Has $10,000 in cash in it. It's $5,000 a piece. We'll go in, out, no witnesses, and we'll, we'll make it. Yep. Yep. And uh, that right there is what lost all hope for me as far as the protagonist question, mm-hmm. because in my opinion, they went there knowing they were killing everybody. Right. Right. So, and I, I got to say hard that for you to be the protagonist. I think that job I think was that murder. Dick 
and I don't know if he was like this in real life, but he seemed like a kind of a weasel. Oh, yeah. You know, like he he was the, we got these ideas, we're going to do this, but he didn't have any intention oh, no. of pulling the trigger. That was the whole reason why he brought Perry to begin he, with, because he knew was his he bad wasn't friend. going to right. be able to do that, and he knew Perry didn't have the brains to pull the job but off But even when it was with. done, it seemed like Dick was surprised. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I can't believe you actually did it, you know? <laughs> You know, yeah, like he didn't believe that it would actually happen. But we so. don't know, like, kind of one of the interesting things that I liked about this movie, too, is that it goes through and they, like, they drive up to the house. They, they you know, they stop, they get their supplies, and then they drive up to the house, and then it cuts. <coughs> and you're kind of like, okay, well, what happened? Well, I honestly thought they're not going to show it because right. of how, yeah. old, the how movie old the movie is. That's what I thought, too. Right. That they were going to cut all that out because mm-hmm. of, you know, well, it's not decent. And kind of one of the fun things, too, I don't know about if you guys picked up on it, but uh, you don't really know who committed the murder right. throughout the movie. And you kind of get that dynamic of, well, was it Perry or was it Rick? Because I, like, first time watching it, oh, it's it's Rick, you know, the entire time. It's, it's that guy. But no, it ended up being Perry. I, I didn't think uh, Scott Wilson's character ever had it in him. He was the fast talking manipulator. And he was good. Mm-hmm. It was he was excellent. Good. Yeah. He was excellent. He nailed his role, like nailed it. Mm-hmm. And again, he was a manipulative narcissist, obviously, in my in my opinion. Anyway. Right. I'm, not, I'm no psychologist. But, you know, he had all the words that he needed to convince Perry to do everything he needed him to do. Mm-hmm. And knew exactly what to tell him. All the buttons to push. Yep. And yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, so the car pulls up and Perry says, this is our time we can turn back. Yeah. You know, like he says, we can just not do this. We can skip this. We can skip this. Dick or Richard or, you know, he says, yeah. N- you know, we're here. Let's yeah. do it. So. Drive car, all this way for nothing. Yeah. Car right. pulls, pulls forward. You see the daughter's light go out. And then that's when it cuts to the next day. Mm-hmm. It cuts to, it looks like maybe her boyfriend or friends coming to the house and Some family, trying, yeah. trying to figure out what's going on. Who discovered the bodies? It doesn't really say. So it was, it was her, her best friend was there to pick her up to go to church. That's uh, right. That next day, Nine so. o'clock sharp. You're yeah, right. I, there was another family member that was, it was a sibling to Nancy and her brother, but they didn't want anything to do with the movie. And I completely understand that. Well, he that. mentions that he's making a hope chest for his older sister, yeah. sister that's getting yeah, married. Yeah, two sisters. Right. Uh, one yeah. was in nursing school at KU and the other uh, was, I think, getting ready to get married. And that was true that Nancy's friend asked her to spend the night, but she had a, a date with Bobby that oh, night. And that's why mm. she wasn't home. Damn mm-hmm. it, Bobby. <laughs> Hormones went out. Yeah, but you, you get the scream and then you get the montage of the cop cars and, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, the Kansas High City speed. Bureau of Investigation getting involved. And mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of where we get introduced to uh, Alvin Dewey. Tom Forsyth. Tom Forsyth, yeah. So, yeah. Where he's trying to track these guys down, just find any bit of evidence. They did a really good job, except the footprint right. of covering everything up. Nothing was left on the scene, right? Yeah. Yep. Except the footprint. And I'm like, of all things that you missed. Mm-hmm. And that was but, a fluke because of the way the flash uh, on the camera, it wasn't visible in naked eye. Right. That cat's paw. And so that, that was just kind of fortunate. So in the movie, it shows like a full bloody footprint. footprint. In real life, was it just the flash of the light that caught that, the... That's my understanding. It's just the flash of it uh, as what... Uh, wow. There's something with the exposure that 
expose the cat's Because ball. they had it right there, and he was like, you can't yeah. see it, because they had the cutout cardboard, mm-hmm. and he was like, you can't see it, it's just with the camera. Right. So that's all they had to go by, um, and just... Wild. And that's, to think of... Forensic how, science, man. How long people could drive overnight, and how mm-hmm. far they could go in any direction, mm-hmm. and just that, you know... The narrow, one thing. Narrowing it down to who it could be right. is, is impressive. Uh, they didn't leave any shotgun shells. No. I mean, they picked everything up except the the cardboard. Wow! Yeah, it, and the it, nylon, right? The nylon, yeah. was the other thing that yeah, yeah. Floyd Wells, and then the uh, the cat's paw uh, print. I think was. I think the, the Floyd Wells things. is is the thing that oh yeah sunk them the most. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yeah. I mean, because if a Floyd Wells doesn't run his mouth, they're never going to put two and two together. And then B, if they don't come back from Mexico, yeah. <laughs> I never understood that. Right. No, I mean, obviously, they just struggled to even function down there. I'd have figured it out. Well, yeah. I've been hawking tortillas or something. But neither one of them (laughs) seemed like the brightest of individuals, right? If they had just gone to the Yucatan Peninsula, they would have had... Search for it. And no, Sixty million dollars gold in gold. Yeah, they would have been yeah. okay. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if that treasure was ever found. I don't think it ever existed, David. Yeah. Right, I know. <laughs> so uh, funny enough, in two scenes, Robert Blake's character makes a reference to the treasure of the Sierra Madre. Uh, Blake actually played a paper boy who sold the winning lottery ticket to Humphrey Bogart in that movie, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, but, in nineteen forty-eight. Hmm. I didn't think he needed any stinking badges. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so despite the fact that many people believe it was written into the script because of Blake, it wasn't. According to Truman Capote, it was Perry Smith's favorite movie. So, hmm. yeah. Don't they hit, like, a hotel or something, and they're talking about, man, all of that, and it was, like, 40 for, bucks. For $42. $42, and that yep. was it. The dad had 30 and the mom had $12. <sighs> Well, I guess, and the daughter had the silver yeah, dollar. Silver dollar. Yeah. Dollar. I think they think that's what set him off was just how ridiculous it was that they were here and he's on the floor scrounging, for, scrounging a for a silver dollar. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that they did a good job with that silver dollar because earlier you see her like drop it the, mm-hmm. in, the, in the coin bag and like yep. and make it like just the center of focus for just two seconds, smidgen. you know, just for just a moment. That's how you know it's coming back later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they obviously um, realize they screwed up, and uh, Dick starts writing bad checks, right? Everywhere, everywhere. The whole he uh, gets Perry fitted for a suit for a wedding. Says, "Oh my gosh, I don't have the cash with me, but you know, I know I don't, I can't take anything with me today. But can I just pay for it now, and then I'll pay a little extra, and you give me the eighty dollars in cash, right?" And because he was buying all the other stuff, the guy was like, "Oh sure, yeah." So he gives him eighty dollars in right. cash. Gosh. Doesn't work that way anymore, does it? No, no. I'm gonna uh, look at you funny if you pull a checkbook out of your out of your purse or your your wallet and try to pay like at a Walmart. I can't. I can't pull out a check. I'm Listen, like, really? It is my biggest pet peeve when I go to the grocery store and someone pulls out a checkbook. Right? I'm like, what are you doing? There should be a life? lane for those people. There should be a lane for those people. <laughs> it's the extra slow lane it's right. over here. Right. It's, it's on the opposite are. opposite end of the twenty items or less. That's yes. right. I hate it's it. So take much. your time aisle. <laughs> You also get some flashbacks too of Perry and his childhood with yeah. his mom. Rough, Perry. rough. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the first one's happy though. It's, yeah, you know, it was, was. The horseback riding on the horses. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah. Why'd they have to go full Native American? I will say though, 
that calf, man. She f's that calf. Right? Up. Yeah. Oh, they broke its neck. I was like, dang, that thing was holding. Did ass. not move after she did that. She like, just laid done. there. Just yeah. lay there. So I mean, you get kind of like the happy memory of his childhood, mm-hmm. and then um, when they're in Mexico, and he says we're leaving. Perry says, well, I'm going to pack all my stuff in a box and mail it back to Las Vegas. Right. Because I think they go down there because they are search. Perry is convinced that, oh, it's fine. We're just going to make our way down to Mexico. We're going to find the treasure and we'll we're going to live. And I think that that's, that also is like the childish brain of Perry. Yeah. Right? yeah. Underdeveloped, undereducated, mm-hmm. under- everything. Pirate but it's sky. also like his dad and him kind of had a bond over the gold. The gold. Mm-hmm. And so. To him, that's just kind of a lifelong thing that, you know, convinced himself it was real, and that's what he's yeah. And then Dick was the friend that used all of that against him, right, to get what he wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll go to Mexico to party. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I'm not shy. Spend all forty two of those dollars (laughs) (laughs) and the eighty and whatever they got else for bad. Well, I mean, they bought a bunch of stuff, and then they took that stuff and pawned it. it, So they probably had five hundred bucks on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, back then, Mexico. That's a good couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, for sure. And I think Rich also gets a company for the night, and you kind of get that. That's I when you shy. get the the second mom scene, second mom which scene. is rough. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he, his... he starts seeing the prostitute as his mom, um, and then goes into the memory of her, her being with a man who you just assume is the dad. I didn't think otherwise. I didn't either. And all four of the kids, including himself, are watching his mom begin to start get it on with the guy and then the dad comes in pulls yeah. the guy off and whips her with his belt mm-hmm. um it's rough very yeah. it's rough and now you're really understanding what's going on with Barry. Right. right and you start feeling a lot of sympathy for you him throughout do this. feel sympathy so I, I did i did yeah lee's shaking his head nope, nope. <laughs> and and so wouldn't you agree that that's truman Capote doing oh, that, yeah, 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 giving you that sympathetic feeling. Yeah, because you don't feel that for a Hickok. Um, you no, want sympathy? You look in the dictionary between shit and syphilis. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm sorry, I did interrupt. Tr- no, Truman Capote. Oh yeah, I mean, in the book, they really play up the sympathy factor for Perry up until the time of the uh, execution. Right? Is there like is there a lot of differences between the book and the movie? It's pretty faithful. I mean, he took some liberty. It's like the old reporter. That's there. Some people think that's you know supposed to be the voice of reason for the audience to explain things. But then there's right. also some people that think that's Capote. I mean, right. which is obviously not. But I mean that that role is similar to what Capote and, and Capote was there. I mean, he was there during the trial. You know, Harper Lee, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird, went right. with him to Holcomb because. You know, locals would not take too kindly to a real effeminate Man. character like Truman Capote. So if it weren't for Harper Lee, there would be no In Cold, In Cold Blood, Blood because she helped interview people, took notes for him, wow. and stayed with him that entire time while this happened. So uh, he could not complete the book uh, in his mind until execution. And so th- there's a lot of criticism that he could have done more to help save them, either through you know mental health experts and things like that. And so there's, he, he faced a lot of criticism, especially for Perry not doing more to protect him. And a lot of people thought that privately he wanted the execution to happen because it would help get his, that money. Sales. And so, yep. yeah, but it, it destroyed it. He never wrote another book right. after that. Harper Lee, did she release to kill a monkey bird? Like 
quite a like was she famous by that point she was well known there was a lot of speculation that he you know was a ghostwriter for to kill a mockingbird that was her only book as oh, well wow but, interesting uh, i mean she wasn't I, I wouldn't say she was famous i think she was in the process of that at the time yeah but but like yeah if it weren't for her the locals would not have uh, been so willing well, i mean it kind of adds up right court cases and you know yeah stories right. and you know yeah wow very interesting for sure but I think, yeah, and this movie, it's it's 135 minutes, but it it does kind of move at kind of a snail's pace throughout this section of us leaving the house. We go down to Mexico, mm-hmm. and then they decide, oh, we ran out of money. We got to go back up to Kansas. Vegas. Well, they go to oh, Vegas. The Vegas yep. Right. And yeah. what, what was Dick's reasoning for going back to Kansas? I think that his aunt or something, he had to go pick something up, right? He had to go back to his his dad's house, and I don't. They never they never get into it in the movie. I don't think. No, his dad. I think his dad was ill. uh, (coughs) Since they were out of money, I think he thought you know he's familiar with that area. He knows how to to bounce checks and write Mm -hmm. bad checks, and I think he also had one or two kids. Wow, he did have kids. He I remember him talking about how he loved his kids. Yeah. Heck of a dad. Yeah. Well, yeah. even his dad Top said notch. that he, when you see him around his kids, you you would never suspect him of being anything mm-hmm. bad. Right. He was a good dad. He wasn't physical with him. Right. You know, he was just an idiot. Yeah. Well, I supposedly mean, really, he was a, a well-liked student and athlete at Olathe High School and then was in a some type of accident and infected after that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. both of them. I mean, because Perry had his leg injury. Yeah, we never really talked that. to it. Never even brought that up, Perry's leg injury. I right. mean, that is very prominent through the entire movie. It's, it's got that gimp. Yeah. yeah. And I always wondered if the injury happened in Korea or it was the bike accident. It was a bike accident. Was, yeah, yeah, the motorcycle accident. Yeah. So, but, so we make... We make it to Vegas. Make it to Vegas. They steal a car. They yeah. write more bad checks. But while they're in Mexico, that's when the tip comes through. Right. And Floyd, Floyd Wells. Floyd yeah. Wells, uh, who Dick says, "I this is who told me mm-hmm. about the safe. He saw it. You know, he saw it, the $10,000 in there. He hears it over the radio. Any connection to this town yeah. with $10,000, you know, money or whatever. And we'll give you a reward. Well, he's like, oh, I told, uh, I told him about this, right? So he, so he comes forward and gives him the tip and says, "This is so who I told about it." Talking to the KBI, yep. so. and then connections, all the lines just started bah, 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 popping up. Yep. Yeah. Well, so. look who's writing bad checks. Mm-hmm. Look who's not in town. You know, look who they can't find. His friend Perry, who called the prison Penitentiary. looking for his friend. You right. know. So they instantly became the two suspects. Right. And, and also, I think they, John Forsyth has the scene where he goes and meets with Perry's dad. and Or Hickok's dad. Hickok's or Hick- dad. Yeah, Hickok's, Hickok's dad. dad. That's when he was talking about how, you know, you see him with his kids. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah, it's great. Well, they found the uh, shotgun. Shotgun. Yeah. He's like, so. you do a lot of hunting? He was like, no, not really. Not really, yeah. That's they they interview Perry's dad, too. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, yeah, they interview his dad, and his dad talks about how wrong he's been, you know, and mm-hmm. how when he's dead, he's leaving everything to him, and he has money coming to him. He never did anything wrong. Yeah, no, why are you coming to me? Yeah, yeah. So, so, and you could that that scene was kind of really eerie to me too because you could kind of tell that that dad was abusive. I mean, even with that scene where you know we get of the mom, you 
you kind of got some subtle hints that he was also abusive to yeah, the kids. Seemed, I he thought. was just he was just mentally not there. There's yeah. something missing there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, like he he had a short fuse and snapped all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there were moments of him being a fantastic father, right? Right. And then the next moment, he's smacking his kids around, right? And that's usually unfortunately. I how loved uh, John Forsythe's reaction when he starts. Interviewing, just <laughs> monologuing about how what a great father he was to his boy and how great his boy was. He just rolls his eyes. He's like, "Come on, we're leaving. Yeah. Right. We're not getting anything out of this guy. Let's right. go." Right. Yeah. So they leave from Vegas. They cat and mouse it. They figure out that the car is stolen. Right. They connect it to them. They have stakeouts ready. They have it around the farm. Right. Dick's dad's house. And they start getting wind of it, and so they they're trying to escape. But they end up where did they get caught? They end up getting caught in Vegas. Yeah, it's in Vegas. Mm-hmm. It's in Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought they went back to Kansas for whatever reason. Did they not they, do that? I thought they did too. They were going and, to, but they I don't believe they made it. I don't, okay. So okay. So we they yeah. hitchhiked. They they were hitchhiking, mm-hmm. and uh, then the, they found that car right in the barn. Right. The the convertible. Yeah, and this is what you also start seeing some separation between. Perry and Dick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perry's like, I'll kill you if you leave me. Like, we're yeah. stuck together now. It, yeah, because right. Dick tried to say, well, we're going to, you know, we go our separate ways. Like, nah. No. Nah, fam. We're, we're in this we're together. We're together. Yeah. Because I know you'll roll your first opportunity. For mm-hmm. sure. At least Perry was smart enough to know that. Right. right. But yeah. so. Well, the movie doesn't cover this part. They actually went through Florida on their way to Mexico at one point, and there was a murder in Florida. And so their bodies were actually exhumed. I think it was in 2011. So they're buried at Lansing, where the penitentiary still is at this time. Yeah, They were buried there after their execution, and they exhumed their bodies in like 2011 for DNA on this old homicide in the state of Florida that they were suspects in. Wow. Okay, so they went from Kansas to Florida to go to Mexico. Yeah, doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's like 19 (laughs) hours out of the way. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if they had family or if Dick had family or somebody in Florida mm-hmm. and then they That's... end up in Mexico or not. But right. they end up getting them in Vegas. Yeah. 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 So yeah. last thing is the elderly hitchhiker played the longtime character actor. His name was Raymond Hatton and it was his final role and he made his first movie in 1909 and he had 418 credits to his wow. name between 1909. And he finished it laying in the back of a car. Yeah. Yeah, with, surrounded by bottles. Right. Three cents. <laughs> That's crazy. I love Perry saying this is the gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, at one one point in time, the entire back seat was filled up with bottles. Bottles, because yeah. yeah, they picked up that kid, and that's how they were making. Yeah, if you drive slow yes. enough. Yeah, we can make a fortune. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was looking up the, the actress that played Nancy Clutter, looking up to see what happened with her. And I don't know if you guys have seen The World According to Garp, Mm-mm. Robin Williams movie. It's a great movie. Anyway, she played the nurse that ends up assassinating somebody in that. So she, really? She's still working as an actress and still alive. So. Wow. Um, That's crazy. So, all right. So I think they, they end up getting picked up Vegas for the stolen car. And then... They get transported from Vegas to, is it Lansing? No, they went to Holcomb. They went to Holcomb. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they were tried they there. They went to the Garden courthouse. City. Yeah. Garden, yeah. City. Garden yeah. City of the courthouse. 
So getting marched in, and, and this is also when you get Perry's confession, right? Yeah, and, and Capote was actually there when they arrived. I mean, he was present at the courthouse when they drove up from Vegas. So he what was, was there. what was Capote's deal with this? You know what I mean? Like, why was he there? Right, he had, he had had some success as a writer and was in New York and was reading uh, the New York Times on a Sunday, and there was an article way back in the paper about this murder of a prominent farmer, and he'd been thinking about the nonfiction novel, and it just hit him that this would be uh, possibly a great story for him to, to cover. So he talked uh, to New Yorker right into sending him there, and they paid his way to, to stay, and he brought Harper Lee with him, and then rest is history. So, wow. Yeah. So he was there, and they gave him access when they were in their jail cells. He endeared himself to the sheriff and the investigator, Dewey. So, yeah, after all of this happened, you know, the, the black and white ball was uh, the, the event of the society in New York mm-hmm. in the 60s, and Dewey came out for that. So him and Dewey were friends. I mean, he befriended him at that time wow. to get access to the killers, and then afterwards they remained friends throughout. So Wow. So funny enough, too, is that at the in the jail cell – when they're going through and they're spending the time after the court scenes and they're reading papers and stuff like that, there's a Life magazine with a picture of Truman Capote on the cover of it. Ah, and so they use that as a kind oh. of a tie back to <laughs> Truman Capote. So that's funny. Pretty fun. So was it, well, I mean, I guess we'll get there, but. When they're in their jail cells and they're talking to people, is one of them supposed to be Truman Capote? So in the movie, they have that older guy yeah. that plays him, but so there, there's some people who think that was based on him. Mm-hmm. But you talk about access to these guys. I mean, they are uh, charged with a terrible crime. You know, they have defense counsel appointed, and yet uh, Richard Avedon was a famous photographer for Life magazine. He came and actually photographed them in the, the jail cell before conviction. Just completely so, different times, yeah, right? right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts it how things nuts. have changed. And uh, well, I, I, and I know it's a small detail, but there's a scene where John Forsyth and another investigator are in the courtroom, and they're smoking in the courtroom, and there's right. ashtrays in the courtroom. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, that is just so yeah. bizarre so to wild. me anymore. Yeah. That, oh, yeah, we'll just smoke it was, you know, wherever uh, we want. Right. I was talking, this is a big side note, mm-hmm. uh, but I went to Disney World this last week with the family, right? Nice, nice. And I am, unfortunately, a smoker. Yeah. Um, but it is not, it is frowned upon right. in Disney World, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, it didn't used to be, like, even, like, 10 years ago, the first mm-hmm. time we went, there were, like, little just little smoking sections. No, no, no. The Magic Kingdom, you have to exit the park, exit security, and walk about a fourth of a mile to the Grand Floridian, and there's wow. a little bench you can sit on. <laughs> and, and there were my people. <laughs> there was the cloud of smoke. And I, I only smoked like once a day. Like right. I went and I was like, all right, I'm ready to smack my kids. I, I, should, I should just step away for five minutes and, right. and then I'll come out. Then I was watching a documentary on the Magic Kingdom and... On opening day on Main Street, there was a tobacconist that was one of the stores. Wow! Like they, you could buy rolled cigarettes and and tobacco smoke and cigars and oh, how times have changed for right? sure. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, mind blowing. Oh yeah, so yeah, and they're smoking in the jail cells and all that stuff too. And yeah, it's it's wild. So during this part of the movie, it really kind of gets at least for me, it kind of got me back into it where. They're sitting on death row, and they're like, when are we going to die? They're like, well, could be today, could be tomorrow, 
could be in a month. It kind of goes into that year. weird like voiceover, like yeah, they sat there for four, four or five years, you know, and they're wasting time, right? But you, I mean, you also get the the Perry dad scene as well, yeah, uh, which was rough. That's when he says dad had the million dollar idea, and that was to go to Alaska and build the hunting lodge, right? And they built the most beautiful building you've ever seen, and they danced on the roof, and then no one came, right? And his dad got angry, and he said, it's all because of you. He mouthed off to his dad, and his dad pulled a shotgun out and said, well, look at me, because I'm the last living thing you'll ever see. And he pulled the trigger, and the gun didn't go off. Mm. And again, he woke up. yeah, you get that feeling of why Perry is the way he is. You right. know, just that never had anyone that truly loved him, alcoholic mom, yeah. abusive parents. I mean, yeah. mentally abusive, even mom for, you know, Mm -hmm. through all that stuff and and it's kind of like did this guy even have a chance no and i think i think that that's what you get at the very end of the movie right sure that's the feeling you get is this was his destiny we forgot to though whenever both of the guys were picked up and they're driven out over to garden Mm -hmm. city kansas Mm -hmm. and they interview him and was it rich i think rich they went into rich's room and they're like all right so they interviewed him first and they bring perry in and then they're like hey Rich told us all of it. Right. Yeah. He flipped on you. And he's like, oh, really? He flipped on me? Well, let me tell you how it actually went down. And we get the actual scene. We didn't think we were going to, but we get the scene of I the murders. we got that in the car. No. We get that yeah. there? Are you we sure? Get that? Yeah. No, we don't know until... We don't well, know no, how, how uh, everything no, happens. I thought they were in the car and he's like no. in the passenger seat smoking uh-uh. and he's telling the cop, I did it. And then he tells a story. Well, that was when they were being interrogated in the jail. In the no, jail. I thought he was in the car, though. I might be Do wrong. Do you remember when they flashed back to... When did Perry tell the police officer how it went down? Wasn't he being transported? Yeah, he was transported from uh, Vegas back. He was in the car, though, telling yeah. him the story. Okay. It was yeah. it was after they were interrogated, after the, yes. they, that Rich folded... When the, he was shown the evidence of the yeah. footprints. Yeah, and then when he, it's the drive from Vegas to, to yeah. Kansas. And that, that okay. part's accurate where they said, you know, you killed the guy in Vegas because he knew, well, yeah. you know, Hickok spilled his guts if they knew, yeah. knew that fact. You know how many so. times that's happened? Yeah. yeah. Where they've <laughs> spilled their guts and the transport, like, actually happened. Like, I know of another case that happened in California. Uh, he was, the guy was abducting people from a state park and, and doing murders, and they caught him. And they were transporting him from, I think he was either California to Minnesota or Montana, one of the two. And the dude just started spilling his guts yeah. in the car uh-huh. ride. I think that sometimes people just give up. Like, yeah. there's no yeah. hope anyways. Might as well tell you. Yeah. Well, that's also like a 20, 30 hour drive from Vegas. To yeah. It. So yeah. get a little bored. But you do get the you get the whole scene. The whole scene. And it's it's pretty rough. It is. Uh it's not again, my biggest surprise was the reaction of the family. Yeah. They did yeah, they were really calm. Didn't they really were put up a so fight? calm. Yeah. And we don't know if that's what actually happened. Right. That's just yeah. what Perry said. Well said happened. I mean, the way that I think of it, it's nineteen what fifty seven when it happened. Mm-hmm. That, those violent crimes they weren't thinking they we're weren't be happening murdered. in central kansas he just, right yeah he even says these boys just want some money yeah. yeah yeah you know and they weren't thinking that they were really going to be in any danger yeah 
you know, they're like, they're just looking for money. Yeah. You know, the and guns are for show. And Perry's so strange in this scene because he's the only one that shows any kind of emotion, uh, emotion like positive emotion towards the family. Like, mm-hmm. oh, are you cold? You know, like, and he cuts the guy like down. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they he hog ties the family. Literally. Yeah. Uh, how his mom taught him mm-hmm. when he was a child. And they use the nylon. <clears throat> and so they go get the dad first and quietly take him downstairs and say, show, show us where the safe is. Right. Um, go and take the husband into, when they don't find anything, they get the $30 from him. And he was like, right. well, does your wife have any money? Where's the safe? They yeah. go, they go to the wife's room where she's sick, mm-hmm. gets money. And that's when they kind of split off and do their own thing. And that's when and, and Perry snaps. If I remember right, Rich was, oh, that's she's that's a young girl up there, you know. And oh yeah, Perry gets, and that's that's true. Between, I mean, that, he's that like, you're happen. not going to do that, yeah. right? Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm not going to let her die a virgin. And he was like, you're not doing you're it. You're not doing you know? it. Yeah. And again, that whole time, the rest, the whole movie, I'm thinking, man, Perry was just along for the ride. He had nothing to do right. with this. And then it's like, oh no, it's it's Rich. It, it was the, the coin though that set him off. It was. And, and in in the book, is that what he says? Yeah. The, yeah. the coin sets him off, huh? Yeah. The coin and just the ridiculousness of uh, being there. And uh, there's no safe. They were duped. They drove all that way, and that's that's all they have to show. It's so for crazy it. that little. And he did prevent thing. the rape of uh, of Nancy. Uh, wow. I wonder if it ever dawned on either one of them that if they hadn't killed them nothing ever would have happened. Well, they probably them. just would have went back to prison right. if they would they have ever even nev- been caught. Yeah, they yeah, probably never probably would have been, been caught. caught. Do you think they were going to look that hard yeah, for a, a home yeah. invasion right. back Wells, in 1957? Yeah, Wells wouldn't have known. I mean, there wouldn't yeah. have been a reward. No? Um, yeah, I think they... Well, I'm sure they thought long and hard about that after uh, after they were caught. I mean, you got right. nothing out of it. But I, I mean, I think when... Perry did it. He did it out of rage. Yeah. He didn't yeah. do it. Oh, yeah. yeah he, he, snapped. he snapped. He snapped. Yeah. Yeah. Because total, total because him stabbing break the with dad reality. And then yeah. realizing the stabbing wasn't going to do it. And then tells yeah, him to yeah. shoot him and he won't shoot him. So he takes the gun. And the right. book talks a lot about the McNaughton rule and the insanity defense back in those days and how it may well have applied to, to Perry. Probably. I mean, but in you know, small town Kansas, yeah, that's not good enough. luck. You yeah. you murdered one of our, our family member, our local family members, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, the whole he even says family. that. Well, what I'm saying is like... The, they killed your neighbors. They killed your neighbors. And he says that to the jurors. Yeah. 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 You, he, they killed four of your neighbors. Yeah. So what are you going to do? I mean, that is not... What it should never have even been tried there. It should have been tried in a different... Different county, a different everything. change of venue. I don't yeah. think he would have gotten it, but right. you no. could have tried. No. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole time, we're they're kind of sitting in prison. They're kind of waiting, and then police come in. Said, "All right, it's time." Well, we also get the characters. What was the one that was the psychopath? We get to know the other prisoners waiting to be right. hung, and one was. Well, he's one of the nicest guys ever. We wouldn't yeah. know that he was a serious, like a crazy psychopath. <laughs> psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. Lowly, Lowly Andrews was his name. So he, Andrews, uh, yeah, uh, he's from a town that's right by where the Legends uh, is located now. Okay, Piper. and so they call him the nicest boy. And I'm trying to remember the name of the town. It's got to uh, be Piper. Well, yeah, it's it's one that you've never hardly heard of. And what did a, he end up doing? I can't remember. Walcott, yeah, the Walcott. nicest boy in Walcott. Uh, so here's here's what he. Yeah, so, uh, they did a really good job finding someone that looks yeah, like right. him. Right, because he looks just like him. Yeah, so, yeah, he, he was a student at KU. Him. Went back home, 
went back home and then murdered his family, ate fried chicken, and then went back to school. Wow. He, didn't he stab someone like 17 times or he did something crazy? Shot someone? Apart from killing his entire family. Well, no, but, no I'm saying like that's <laughs> right. It, it wasn't like, uh, yeah, it was just like a crazy. crazy did they ever say why him. he did it? He, he just snapped? Yeah, he went home Thanksgiving holiday in 1958, read the, the brothers Karamazov, and then he uh, went downstairs, 22 caliber rifle. Parents and sisters were and turned the light on and opened fire. And sh- shot his sister. Between the eyes, then shot his father, shot his mother. Jeez. Then went back to uh, Lawrence and went to the Granada, where uh, we like to go see a band called Galactic. Yeah. So, the, Gran- wow. the Granasty? Yeah. Granada. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. I call yeah, it the yeah. Granasty. <laughs> I love the Granada. That's where your, that's where the mask came from. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's really? awesome. Yeah. That's cool. All yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, we went to I've see a couple bands there. Probably <laughs> yeah. 40 shows at the Granada. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We get to know these other characters as well. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird, like the... Was it the second floor? Is that what they called it? That's where they keep all the... Crazies. Well, no, all the... Uh, death Row. Death Row yeah, was the yeah. second floor of the prison. Mm-hmm. But you kind of... You get the feeling of, sure, they're locked up with, like, padlocks, but it kind of looked like they had some free reign. You know what I mean? Right. Like, get yeah. people in and out and... Um, anything goes. Anything kind of goes. Well, the 50s. Security has... <laughs> Drastically changed. Drastically right. changed. Over the last <laughs> yeah. 70 years. Yeah, no kidding. No well, kidding. Or actually, the last two that were executed were this York and Latham. And they were right after Hickok and Smith. So just wow. two, two months later, June of uh, 65 is the last execution in Kansas. Wow. wow. That's wild. That is wild. And so, interesting, have... the two last guys that were, they were on death row with Hickok and Smith were... Uh, convicted of crime they had a crime spree in many counties but one of them was donovan county Whoa. wow and wow. so the judges could attend the executions and so the main judge the district judge uh did not want to see the execution so in this place and uh, got in trouble afterwards because he went to witness the uh the execution and so the legend over there is that it was it was really cold when the execution i think it was rainy and cold either york or latham on the way over uh, was complaining. It's like, God, it's cold because he didn't have a jacket or something like that. And he's uh-huh. like, what are you complaining about? We have to walk back there. I love it. Good Lord. Wow. It's only a one-way trip, fella. Right. <laughs> You'll be warm soon. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's wild. That is crazy. Wow. So, so yeah, we're, we're kind of going through, and then one by one they're seeing some of these fellow, you know, Death row inmates make the walk all the way out to right. the, and you can see Perry shed. starting to panic, and he's Walking like, "What happens?" Yeah, Walking and that's when we the the gentleman that killed his family says, "Well, you're they break your neck first, and then you crap your pants." You yeah, know? <laughs> and Perry's like, "Oh my god, you know, like I don't want to crap my pants." But yeah. Dick was the first to be executed. Well, yeah. they were both supposed to go at the same one, time, one minute after midnight, right? And uh, and Perry, I guess, was so nervous about the crapping your pants part that he's like i gotta go i gotta go bathroom i gotta go like i gotta go right now and like oh can't you hold it and like how's he gonna hold it uh what's he holding it for but yeah he they took all the shackles off and everything like that and and he did his business and then you kind of hear like in the background i think you can hear the rope yeah loosen and you know that rich is dead and I could not imagine what Perry was going through whenever he heard that rope fall. No. 
And because so, it is not a quick death. No, not at all. No. I and mean, you, you suffer quite a bit there for mm-hmm. probably 20, 30 seconds. Because they always say that if you... If you don't break your neck, if it doesn't break your neck... But even neck, then, it neck, doesn't mean you're going to lose consciousness. Yeah, you know? but I'm, I'm saying if it doesn't do it properly, you're in for a lot of suffering. You're right. in for choking. Yeah. And then, Have fun with that. So it gets to Barry. He walks... All the way. All the way. And, uh, you know, they say, do you have anything to say? And you can tell he's just super distracted by all the noises, all Mm -hmm. the, you know, the the executioner. And, you know, he's kind of scared. And what's he? He says that he just apologizes, but he doesn't know who to apologize to. Right. Because he killed the whole family. So I don't think that he realized there was a sister. No. You know. And I don't think that she probably would have. Drove up. I don't think they would have drove up. I don't think that I would want to go see that, honestly. I don't think that that's something that I ever want to witness. So, but uh, it go. He goes up. You know, they pull it, and that's the that's the final scene of the movie. Mm -hmm. It's his body dropping, dropping. Yeah, Yeah, it's that powerful scene. It is a super powerful scene. I thought for sure they were going to cut away. No, yeah, no, me too. I was like, oh, okay, the the slow. We're doing this. Yeah, Yeah, that was something. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, being an anti-capital punishment movie, the end credits, In Cold Blood, appears as Perry Smith is hanging, <coughs> giving the title a double meaning. The clutter's death by his hands and his death by the government. Richard Brooks was opposed to capital punishment and felt that his film perfectly demonstrated pointless violence only leads to more equally pointless state-sanctioned violence. Over three decades after the release of the movie, one of the stars, Robert Blake who played the murderer Perry Smith, himself became a real-life figure in a true crime. In May 2001, Blake's second wife, Bonnie Lee Bakley, was murdered in the parking lot of an Italian restaurant at which the couple had eaten dinner at. Blake was arrested and tried for murder and for solicitation of others to commit murder. After a multi-year trial that was heavily covered by tabloids in March 2005, for lack of evidence, Blake was found not guilty of either Blakely's murder or the counts of sanction of murder. However, in November 2005, a civil suit found Blake liable for Blakely's death and ordered him to pay $30 million to Blakely's survivors. Although that award was later reduced on an appeal, Blake then filed for bankruptcy. She just right. couldn't pay it. Yeah. So, Truman Capote earned 30% of the film's gross a sizable amount given that the film made over 13 million at the box office after taxes and adjusting for inflation the book and the film capote netted about 25 million in 2011 dollars in recent years the following release of two films about capote and the clutter murders his estate has earned another 2 million from book sales so wow pretty crazy but mm-hmm. That's in cold blood for you. Well, so, I gave him four more dollars when I bought the movie. Right, <laughs> five, five, <laughs> or five. Yeah, right. we do. Could have rented five. it for four, but yeah. it's like another dollar. Guess right. you're gonna make me own in cold yeah. blood. All right. Any final thoughts? No, I mean i I enjoyed it, and I right. love the recommendation of movies like that. I think that's kind of why we do the podcast, right? For sure, we're doing our favorite movies that maybe people haven't seen. So, mm-hmm. um, this was a good. Recommendation. Recommendation away yeah. from like our norm. So mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. So David, do you want to explain to my dad how our rating system goes? Sure. Um, so we start with S tier, which is like 
superior, the best. Nothing can beat it. You know, you can tie with it. And, and we talk about Shawshank Redemption being like, that's an <laughs> S-tier movie. Right. You know, perfect. Yeah. Uh, then we go to A, which is pretty close. Yeah. Uh, there might just be a few things wrong with it, uh, but it is as close as you can get to just a perfect movie. And then B's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you recommend it to maybe some people, you know, but it's a good movie. C is like pretty average. Yeah. yeah. It's your average. Maybe movie. not watch it again. I watched it. I didn't dislike it, but it's okay. And then D is mm, getting down there, like uh, maybe not liking it so much. Right. But it wasn't an F, and an F is just your bottom piece of trash movie. Right. So um, we also can only have 10 S-tier movies at a time. Mm. So once we get to 10, the next S we give, we have to decide what to knock off of it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So... This kind of keeps things fresh. So with that being said, what would you give in Cold Blood? So an S would be a movie like The Godfather Part Mm -hmm. 2 that cannot be beaten. Um, But, I mean, this is your opinion. So if you you said top five movies, my S tier is completely different than their S tier. Sure, sure. Well, if there's ten that could qualify, yeah, I I would uh, pit this in my top ten. So I, I would give this an S I think a lot of it's just because I, I enjoyed the book so much, and mm. you know we've been out there, and you know something I didn't mention earlier when we were we went by where the house was. I knew the sheriff and whatever I think it's Finney County mm. uh, at the time. They have a file that they've made up for in cold blood for press, and and you know if they're filming a movie or something, they'll let them look at it. So he let me you know have that. I went into a, a room. And, I mean, they had, like, the original handwritten confession from Perry Smith in there. They had wow. the crime scene photos, autopsy photos. I mean, they had the whole nine yards in there. And so, I have just, I mean, just so fascinating. But career-wise, this speaks to you as well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I think that, just right. the small town and the, you know, the innocence of the family. Callum's mom, first time she's ever seen it. I've talked about it uh, for years. But yeah. the farm that she grew up on is eerily similar with the, uh, all the way from the trees that mm-hmm. line the road and everything. So I told her it might be hitting too close to home. You know, Herb Clutter, a lot like uh, Grandpa, Grandpa. Dressman uh, yeah. as far as his looks and everything. And uh, uh, the mom, of course, Callum's grandma is nothing like Bonnie Clutter. Bonnie Clutter, I think, suffered from depression and things like that right. and so mm-hmm. that's why but i mean it hit a lot uh, close to home so yeah i think just because of my profession and also you know my wife's family and just having seen all of that i think it probably hits closer to home for me and that's why i like it so much and good memories of high school uh english class where we read read the book and wow uh, also yeah awesome cool okay personally i think i'd give the movie an a minus I don't think it hits the high highs. I think that as far as filming goes, I think the interest in the case itself is fascinating. Like Mm -hmm. whenever I talk to my dad about it, there's always something new that I learn about it. And it's like, wow, like that's, that's crazy. And like just now there's quite a few things that I learned from him as far as the actual case goes. But for the movie, there were quite a few things that I think could have been shortened down. I think that, as soon as we leave the house, like it cuts to black. I do like that they didn't show that the murder scene at the beginning. I like that we they saved that toward the end. Right. I like that there wasn't a whole lot of gore. I like that they didn't over embellish it. But I think yeah, the whole scene where they're heading down to Mexico and then heading over, 
I think that it kind of drug out a little bit. They could have done the montage they did. Could have done a little bit more that, montage, but I know that they were yeah. trying to hit that runtime of more than an hour. But for those more reasons, yeah, yeah, it's it's two hours and fifteen minutes. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah. So, but other than that, acting was great. Yeah. I think the the sound was great, mm-hmm. um, and left a last lasting impression. I mean, those last five ten minutes are what make the entire movie in my opinion because it is hard hitting yeah but i think with all that said i think it a minus for yeah. me so yeah um i agree a minus is where i was going with it um i think that i thoroughly enjoyed it i would definitely watch it again if it was on i probably right. would seek it out but if i see it i'll be like oh and i'll sit and watch it i think i like it even more now that i know that they used all the original the house and that right. i think that that is amazing that they mm-hmm. were able to do that um, and again, it's a weird feeling for killers, right? They tend to do that in movies though, mm-hmm. and and books, and romanticize it a little bit when right. it shouldn't be at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do knowing his childhood, you can't help but like sympathize. He a just bit. it's not that I sympathize. I sympathize that he had no chance ever, right? Like from the get go, you empathize. Pe- empathize, yeah, yeah. Perry was screwed. Yeah. He just was. There was no winning for him. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think the dick had an opportunity. Right. I think he had the personality. I think that he could have made something of himself. Even if it was a car salesman, just he lazy. probably would have been the best car salesman <laughs> ever. Yeah. yeah. You He's know? just lazy. He could sell yeah. himself. And mm-hmm. to where Perry was the pawn. Yeah. You know, you're going to do my bidding. And he followed all of the instructions and um, threatened to snap a few times. But he still did what he would. He wouldn't have turned on dick. It right. was Dick that turned on him. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but I think uh, filming, music, everything, a minus. Yeah. yeah. Lee. Well, Ooh. it wouldn't be a podcast if there wasn't an appearance. A rainy, rainy. Johnny Raincloud. Yeah. Johnny Raincloud. And you know, it's in. really not that bad. It's more of a sprinkle. Uh, I'm going to give it a, a solid B. Okay. Um, okay. I did enjoy the movie. I love the subject matter. Uh, love true crime. We watch a ton of it at our house, so it's. Right up my alley. Unfortunately, the 1967 version of True Crime is a bit slower than I'd like it to be. Uh, there's some definite lulls in the movie that literally almost put me to sleep. Yeah. Again, I was laying in my comfy bed watching it, but <laughs> right. it was it, it got a little hard to stay focused for me just a hair. But uh, as far as the acting goes, was great. Um, Good casting choices. Scott Wilson absolutely nailed yeah. his part. Just mm-hmm. nailed it. Uh, John Forsyth again. The dude is just granite. There, there is no, there's zero bad casting. No, right. there's no. I was like, there's, it, it's you know, all when you were talking act. about. Did Paul it win Newman any awards? And, Did this movie win any awards? Yeah. Uh, well, it was nominated for several. Yeah. Um, not, not in acting though. Was surprising. Wow. So really. I mean, I really think that Perry I did think, a freaking I think fantastic Scott Wilson job. Could have got something. Yeah, I yeah, really Dick as well. Yeah, yeah, I really think so. Um, the the few things that I I kind of wor- I not really worry but wonder about is like they mention Perry killing somebody in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish they would have kind of maybe just glossed over that just a little. Give me a right, little bit right. of detail. Give me the background of what happened. Was that a Oh, he snapped it at a bar because did, some dude was giving him crap. Since I haven't read the book, did they go over his killing in Vegas at all in the book? I, I think he actually didn't. He, he 
use that more as a prison brag as opposed to uh, ever being confirmed that he did it. I gotcha. think he denied okay. it later I mean, because on. that was kind of the basis of why Dick wanted him because he said he was a killer. Yeah, he's right a killer. Now. And, you know, if I'm if my deal is I don't want to leave any witnesses and I know I'm not going to do it, right. I got to have a killer. So right. I, I kind of wish they would kind of maybe just even even if they would have said, yeah, this really wasn't confirmed. This was mm-hmm. a, just a rumor, a jailhouse right. rumor. But and that would have been a little interesting to know. Might would have given him a little bit more sympathy mm-hmm. knowing that, hey, I use this as a tool to survive in prison, you know as just a story to beef myself up so I'm not a pawn because yeah. I'm already gimped. I'm yeah. already got issues. I'm going to be a target. So mm-hmm. let's yeah. not, let's, let's yeah. pump ourselves up a little bit. He did mention it uh, in the interview on the way back from Vegas when he said, I, I, I'd never killed anyone until that night when, wow. uh, when he, he said, well, he, about the guy you killed in Vegas and he looked back and said, oh, I knew you couldn't keep your mouth shut. And then hmm. he said, well, uh, I, I actually had never killed anybody until that night, and then he he went into yeah, wow. and that that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I did find on the Oscars then, so Academy Award it was nominated for Best Director, Best Original Score, which well deserved. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Best Cinematography, and then Best Adapted Screenplay. Wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. They were all very good, and I. Everyone I, says it's it's pretty true to the book. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like they did a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie poster that they had, the original. Well, those are the eyes of the actual killers. killers. Wow. Oh. So they use that on the actual promotional uh, uh, movie posters that were out. They use the eyes of the actual uh, killers. Killers. That's, that's not Robert Blake that's... and. Uh, the, the top other, is so. Dick and the bottom is Perry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can just tell by looking at the eyes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty wild. That's so, crazy. Neat. Awesome. Um, I love the black and white. Actually, me too. That was great. I dig black and white. It, it, it just yeah. made it feel gritty. Yeah, yeah. You know? I can't imagine it in color. I no, no. It, it, it would not have the same feeling. No. Not at all. No. no. Um, again, so I, I give it a B. I, I would recommend it to a lot of people. It, it's a good movie if you if you are have a pretty good attention span. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll caveat that with a lot of movies. If you're not going to pay attention, you're going to miss some stuff, and it's mm-hmm. not going to make a lot of sense. Right. But. It, so like with it. give it a B with uh, S A minus I min A minus B it's what an A I'd yeah. say an A I, yeah. yeah overall a. overall categories I'm, an A I'm good with an A yeah. Yeah. yeah all right sounds good cool. cool well with that being said thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah oh, it was I very nice meeting you have to come back yeah for sure so that was a lot of fun good times all right well we hope you guys enjoyed our episode and we will see you on our next one see you later later hello and welcome to the postcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed listening to the guest this week. And a very special thank you to our guest, Kevin, for coming on and teaching us everything about that case. What an experience. We also look forward to having more guests on the show. I wanted to say thank you also to all our loyal and new listeners. We invite you to check out our Facebook group and follow us wherever podcasts are found. Look for our next episode, Monday, February 12th, as we will be covering 12 Years a Slave, as we are inspired to do so for Black History Month. We hope you've enjoyed our program just as much as we did recording for you. Thank you, stay safe, and stay tuned for our next episode.